Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. So we're in Revelation chapter 12 to begin with. This morning, we're continuing our look at the precious blood. And, you know, there are no more exciting things to preach about than the precious blood of Jesus, because without that blood, we would not be here. We would not be in God's family. We would not be serving the Lord. We would not be having fellowship with him and with one another. And I know we've looked at Revelation 12 as our launching pad many times, but of course it's here we get those precious verses that tell us they overcame him, the devil, that old serpent, the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb. And in this day and age you need to be an overcomer. And you need to know how you overcome and what you overcome with. And the Bible identifies it's by the blood of the Lamb, but also by the word of our testimony. And, you know, what, what, that's so important. You need to have a testimony. And the word of your testimony, uh, with the blood, and the, sorry, stuttering again. With the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. And the word of your testimony is really about the blood of the Lamb, isn't it? I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you can say. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed, purchased, bought back from the hand of the enemy. So we are a redeemed people. It means we're bought with a price, and it's a precious price. The most precious substance ever that has existed, which is the blood of Jesus. Nothing is more precious. No gold, no silver, no platinum, no Tesla cars, no mansions, no yachts, no stocks and shares, no, no Bitcoin, not even a Rangers season ticket, friends, is as precious as the blood of Jesus. Amen? And we're not making light of it. We're just simply saying there are a lot of things precious to us, aren't there? You might have a, an heirloom. You might have something that's been handed down to you. But nothing is as precious as that blood. And nothing is precious to the Father. And nothing is precious to us. And you know, the, the blood of Jesus is a ransom price. You know, when, when, when someone is held captive and you go and you redeem them and you give a ransom price, you give the person the ransom and they give you back the captive. But have you ever thought about this? Satan don't want no blood of Jesus as the ransom price. Here's the, here's the price for those captive souls, Mr. Satan. Here's the blood of Jesus. Oh, I don't want that. Amen. So <laughs> the price has been paid, but he's never going to collect it. And that's why we can run him off with the blood of Jesus. It says here, look what it says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So when Satan comes around to claim you, hands up if you've ever felt Satan coming to claim you. Amen. And you say, oh, by the way, a price is paid. Here it is. It's the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Offsky, as we say. Now, I know that's not in the King James, but Offsky is what Satan does. Amen? The minute you start to talk about the blood, because that's the ransom price. Now, you can argue, well, was it paid to the Father? Was it paid to Satan? It don't make any difference, because Satan is never going to pick it up. He's never going to claim it. Because that blood terrifies him. That blood, he's repelled by it. 
He hates it because what that blood speaks of, the perfection of the Son of God, the price paid for our ransom, our redemption. And so that's why the word of their testimony, so our testimony is so important. I'm redeemed. I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed, blood-cleansed child of God. Say it often, friends, because when you do, the devil and his demons don't like to hang around that. Okay? That's why we sing songs about the blood. Because let me just say this to you. Okay? I believe this. I believe that every time we open those church doors, the devil comes in. The, the demons come in. Amen? And they'll hang around if, if we're doing holy stuff and religious stuff. But the minute we start singing about the blood of Jesus, they say, it's time to go. Hallelujah. Amen? We can't hang around when they start talking about the blood. So that's why we talk about it often. Anyway, praise the Lord, I'm in a, a preaching mood this morning. I've just preached myself happy. Amen? Therefore it says, Rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, and uh, the devil has come down unto you. Well, it's not woe to us, because we know how to run them off. Amen? And it's time we did so. And you know, if, if Satan's turning up, and, and I've heard about somebody this week, that the devil's attacking them in their bedroom. It happens. Well, just say, Mr. Devil, welcome to my bedroom, because we're going to be singing songs about the blood if you want to join in. And you'll find you get peace to sleep after that. Amen? Anyway, the, the precious blood, that's just a wee intro. What I want to do now is, um, is uh, we're going further into Tommy's book. Tommy Combs is a guy... Uh, from Alabama, who's uh, a friend and a preacher that I know quite well. And as I said to you before, we're preaching through his wee book here, This Blood's For You, 39 Strikes For Your Salvation, Healing and More. And it's Tommy's birthday today as well. Okay, So happy birthday to Tommy if he's listening. Okay, And if he isn't, he should be. Mm -hmm. Amen, because amen, we can preach here in Scotland. And we're preaching about the blood, but we're preaching from Tommy's book. Praise the Lord. So what I want to look at today is this blood, the blood of Jesus, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Okay? And that's from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, where it says uh, in that chapter, let's, let's just uh, look at, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, 24, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Let's, let's go there and read the whole verse. Hebrews chapter 12, 24. Because we need to look at the blood of Abel. Because the Bible references it here. Let's just read back a little bit. Read into it. It says in verse 22. You have come unto Mount Zion. Now Mount Zion is the name that the Bible gives to, uh, we would call it, we could call it the kingdom of God, we could call it um, the place where all the saints through all the ages are located. Amen? There are saints right now who have gone to glory. Okay? And we are here. But we're all in Mount Zion in that sense. Does that make sense? The saints past, present, future even. Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
and to an innumerable company of angels. Now, if you want to find Mount Zion on the earth, find a church that preaches the gospel. Amen? And that's an outpost of Mount Zion. So we're here today in this church. We're in Mount Zion. Amen? And there are angels all around. Did you know that? Well, we said the demons sometimes come in, but the angels are always here. And in this church, people have actually seen angels. Amen? We're not being spectacular or sensationalist, but people can testify that in this church, they have seen angels. Okay? Uh, and, and, and you should never be spooked or freaked out by seeing angels. Why? Because the, plenty of people in the Bible did, plenty of people in history have. Now, we don't talk to them as in, oh, let, let's commune with the angels here. We're not weird people. We're not freaks. But we can expect angels to be around us because we each have a guardian angel. Amen? So anyway, that, that's just a little side thing. But it says here, To the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, which is the blood of Jesus, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, we've had communion. We spoke about the blood of the new covenant. Um, we're, we're speaking about the precious blood. We're going to close our service today by singing, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? So we're speaking better things than the blood of Abel. Amen? We're, by the word of our testimony, we're testifying that we have no other merit before God but this precious blood. Oh, it's not, oh, well, I give to Oxfam. I help old ladies across the road. You know, I'm a good person. That's not justification. You don't have approval with God because of what you've done. The Bible says all our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. The only merit, the only plea we have is Jesus shed his blood for me, and I receive that. Amen. It's all a gift. You can't make yourself approved to God. Only Jesus can make you approved to God. Now, that's the gospel. That gospel has been preached in this place for decades and decades and decades. We ought to praise God for that, and other places, but praise God we're here, where the gospel has been preached, where people have been saved under it. It speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, what's he talking about here? Who's Abel? If you don't know, I think most of you will know. But, of course, Abel was the son of Adam and Eve. Amen? And let me just say this. Blood can speak. Blood has the capacity to speak. And let me, let me illustrate that for you. If, you. if the detectives come at a murder scene, the DNA extracted from just a tiny drop of a murderer's blood can be used as evidence in a court of law. If two men get into a fight and one strikes the other, and the, the, but they both have blood there, the blood of the murderer speaks as evidence. This man murdered, and his blood is the evidence. Amen? So blood speaks. But of course, we know that it did in the days of Cain and Abel. It still does today. The first sons of Adam and Eve, Cain was a gardener, and Abel was a shepherd. And they both of them knew that they had to offer a blood sacrifice to cover their sins. 
Um, their parents, of course, used the skins of two slain animals to hide their own shame and guilt. Once, when they fell by eating the, the, the forbidden fruit. So when the time came for the sons to bring an offering to the Lord, Cain brought some vegetables. No blood was shed. But Abel presented the firstborn lamb from his flock. So God accepted Abel's sacrifices and rejected Cain's. You'll find all that in Genesis chapter 4. And then Cain got angry and he killed his brother because his offering was refused or rebuffed. And then, of course, we know that God said, he knew what Cain had done, but he says, where is Abel, your brother? Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And that famous phrase, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I responsible for my brother? Well, the answer is yes. We're responsible for one another this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We don't turn our backs on our brothers. And what we don't do, the Bible says, Cain, that murderer who slew his brother. We don't, we don't slay or kill our brothers and sisters, not necessarily by physical murder, but we often do it, don't we, by slander and by cursing our brothers and sisters. Let's not do that, friends. What have you done, asked the Lord to Cain? The voice of your, watch, this is what it says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, listen to this. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. When Cain slew Abel, Abel's blood cried out to the Lord. Cried out for justice. And as a direct result of Cain's sin, God caused his crops to fail. He became a marked man and a vagabond for the rest of his life. The Bible calls Cain that murderer. Blood speaks. You see, when the blood of Jesus poured down the cross into the ground, poured down his broken body, his pierced body, spurted out of those wounds, it wasn't speaking for vengeance. It wasn't speaking for justice. Jesus' blood cried out mercy to everybody who had slain him. Brothers and sisters, you're among, you and I are among that throng. That wonderful hymn, that modern day hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, has that line, it was my sin that held him there. Who, who murdered Jesus? Who slew Jesus? Was it the Romans? Was it the, was it the Jews? Brothers and sisters, it was our sin. Because he wouldn't have had to die if you and I were not sinners. His blood speaks something better. It speaks mercy. Jesus hung on a Roman cross for man's sin. His blood also spoke. While Abel's blood cried out for vengeance from the Lord, the blood of Jesus cried out for forgiveness, healing, peace, and righteousness, and said, mercy. Amen? Mercy. Now, Abel is a type and shadow of Jesus, God's son, because Abel was a shepherd and Jesus is the good shepherd. Abel sacrificed a lamb. Well, Jesus sacrificed himself. He is the lamb of God who takes away the son of the world. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God. And Christ's sacrifice was accepted by the Father. 
Abel was despised by his brother without good cause. Cain hated Abel, so he slew him. It's a terrible thing when brothers hate brothers, when sisters hate sisters. Abel was despised by his brother. Jesus was hated by the Jews, his brethren, without cause. Abel was delivered up because of envy, so was Christ. So Abel's blood has a thing to say, but Jesus' blood has a better thing to say. Amen? If you want to see the devil tremble in his boots, just start talking about the blood of Christ. We've said that already. Just start talking about Jesus' blood and you'll run him off. Thought I might have to ask David to come and help me back up there. So the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. It's still speaking today. You can hear the blood say, I give you favor. In times of danger, you can hear the blood say, I give you protection. When you're sick, the blood will speak healing and wholeness and health and life to you. Abel's blood speaks, but the blood of Christ speaks better things. And thank God it still speaks to this day. Praise God. So let's look at the next thing, which is that the blood bears witness in the earth. See, blood, the blood of Jesus, wasn't some spiritual thing. It wasn't some non-physical, metaphysical thing. The blood of Jesus was physical. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Bible says. And it says, we handled him, we touched him, we could touch God in the flesh. And because Jesus had a body, Blood had to flow in that body because blood, the, the life of the body is in the blood. So Jesus had sinless, perfect blood in him. You might have picked a holy man of old, Moses, Elijah, and so on, as a sacrifice, but their blood was tainted by Adam, by the fall, by sin. But Jesus was sinless and perfect. And so when he gave his blood, it was a witness, a physical witness, that the life of God was poured out. It tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 8, there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. It's interesting that a lot of people dispute the veracity of this verse. They say, oh, it shouldn't be in the scripture. And I believe it's because it's such a powerful verse. It's opposed. Because what it's saying is that the blood of Jesus was a physical reality in the earth. That, you, you, you know, people say, oh, Jesus, did he really exist? And a lot of people try to make out that Jesus wasn't fully human. Brothers and sisters, he was fully human. And right now, on, uh, in this universe, on the throne of God, at the right hand of God the Father, a man is sitting. A man is sitting. And forever will be there on the throne of glory. What does that tell us? That tells us how precious humanity is to God the Father. 
that he, his son was made flesh and became a man and dwelt among us. Fully God, but also fully man. And a man that had blood that was sinless in his veins and poured out that blood for all our sins and iniquities and transgressions. Amen. It bears witness in the earth. There are three that bear witness. And of course we know that there are three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that three is a big thing to the Lord. And it says there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. There are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. There had to be physical bloodshed. It wasn't enough just to say, well, Jesus can die some kind of, um, you know, mystical, spiritual death. No, he had to be a man and shed blood, physical blood, in the earth. So it bears witness to the fact that we are redeemed. There had to be a price paid. It's all very well if, you, if I say to you, um, I'm, I want your car, I'd like to buy your car. I like the look of your car, can I buy your car? And you say, well, yeah, sure. Uh, here's the price, and here's the keys. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, I want to buy your car. And then a week later, I'm driving around in your car. And you say, uh, um, payment? <laughs> oh, yes, amen. Um, you know, you've heard that old saying, uh, what is it? Um, the, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> if I had that £3,000, you know, you, you, but I don't. But thanks anyway. No, there has to be a price. And the price has to be seen. The payment has to be made. It has to cross your palm. And so Jesus paid the price of blood across his palm. So that forevermore, if anyone ever says, oh, that person's claiming they're yours, but was there a payment made? Here it is. And Jesus can say, look, there's the scar. There's the hole. That's when the price, and if you want to see the blood, you have to come up to heaven and see it. Because payment was made in physical blood. And if you were there that day when they crucified him and you saw the pool of blood at the foot of the cross or you saw the blood in Jesus' body, you would then know there's a witness in the earth that payment has been made. The blood bears witness. In the earth, this blood, this precious blood was shed for you and I. And of course, the water, the water came out of his side, didn't it? You see, it had to be done in the physical realm. It couldn't just be, well, you know, Jesus will suffer in the spirit somehow. No, there had to be. Because man fell. The creation of God. Man made in the image and likeness of God. It had to be a man that died to pay the price. And that's why the word was made flesh. Amen. Well, there's more to this, but we'll continue another time. Um, because we're not in any rush to get through this series on the blood of Jesus. We want to make sure that we all get it. And um, it's so important. And I want to tell you this right now. It's so important to say this to Shun. Any church, 
avoid it like the plague. That does not make much of the blood of Christ. A bloodless gospel is not a gospel. It's not good news. And that's why we make a big deal. We, we, we make uh, the utmost of the blood of Jesus in this place. As I said, because it's the blood that makes atonement. It's the blood that sets us free. And you know, it can be uncomfortable talking about blood, can't it? You know, you, you know, none of us like to see some of us bl bloodshed. Amen? Unless it's somebody you don't like. But you know, when we see blood in serious amounts, we recoil. Why? Because we know that person is in danger of losing their life. You lose too much blood, you're a goner. And we sometimes shrink back from that. And even when we hear, oh, the blood of Jesus, we think, oh, does it need to be so gory? Yes. As I said, without it, there's no redemption price paid. And we can thank God today that we can glory in the cross. Lest I forget Gethsemane. What happened to Gethsemane? He sweat drops of blood. That's where the blood shedding started. And then at the whipping post, his body was lacerated till his internal organs were shown. And then on the cross, it was all blood, blood, blood. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget, because this is what it's all about, thy love for me. And we ought never forget it. Lead me to Calvary. And that's why we preach, pray and sing about the blood of Jesus. The Lord bless you folks. Amen.